Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys here today, whether you're here in Maryville with me or online or at our Knoxville location. Today's actually our one-year anniversary in Knoxville, so all those folks who are setting up, taking down, yeah, absolutely. They're setting up, they're taking down, they're making disciples, they're inviting people. You guys keep going after it. The city of Knoxville is going to be impacted and changed because of what you guys are doing, what God is doing through you. And so uh, we are excited about that and so many other things that, that God is doing. If you didn't know, we're one church in two locations. And so uh, we're excited about how God is working here in Maryville and in the city of Knoxville. The renovation has actually begun at the Dollar Movie Theater. I say Dollar Movie Theater. That's how I knew it growing up as a kid uh, in Knoxville. So um, it's uh, going really, really well. And so we're, we're not quite sure when it's going to get wrapped up, but uh, you know how it is. Uh, it's two weeks, right? It's always two weeks. How much longer? Two weeks. How much longer? Two more weeks. And then we're there. And so uh, we're just patiently uh, going through that process. If you've ever remodeled or built anything, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you've got a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 18. This is obviously uh, the anniversary of the tragedies of 9-11. And so today you're, you're going to see uh, with me the, the, the images, the videos, the, all of the uh, painful stories that came out of uh, such a tragedy uh, in our nation. And so uh, you, you probably had some friends or family uh, that were impacted. Uh, maybe you yourself impacted as well. And you know, every time this, this season uh, of our country comes up in September, it reminds me uh, of, of the world that we live in, how it is, is most definitely filled with evil. Um, it reminds me just how fragile our, our, our way of life really is. COVID taught us the same thing. And and that uh, makes me really, really thankful for those in the armed forces, police officers, firefighters, EMTs who uh, in the face of a crisis are, are charging in and, and, and they are the first uh, people on the scene. And, and those who are going through the crisis, you guys are the first people that they see. And so how many armed forces, police officers, how many EMTs, where are you guys at? Anybody in the room? Lift them up high. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you guys for all that you do. Um, you know, I, I think for our country, 9-11 left a mark. It changed us as a country. And, um, you know, every single one of us go through tragic events in our life. We, we go through painful uh, events and, and, and tragedy happens in our life. And, and so there's pain and there's, there's, uh, there, there's, there's hurt. But then there's also hope. And, and in many cases, there's forgiveness, and so we've all been hurt in some way at some point in our life and those painful events are going to leave marks on our life and, and they're either going to make us or break us. For some of you, it was a painful situation. There's unforgiveness and anger that's still in your heart. And because of that unforgiveness and anger, the mark on your life is impacting the relationships that you have today. It's impacting your leadership. It's impacting the way that you run your business it's impacting the way that you interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis. It's actually interrupting your relationship with God. It's interrupting the blessing that God wants to give you today and how he wants to use you in the future. And so every single one of us have gone through these painful events in our life, but you have a decision to make every day that you wake up. The decision that you get to make is, will I allow the pain from yesterday to impact my leadership and my spiritual life today? 
And so there's hope that no matter what we've gone through and no matter what we've experienced, every single one of us can make a decision today. Last week, we talked about anger. And if we let anger win, then we lose. Today, I wanna talk about the three hardest words in the English language. You know what they are? I forgive you. How many of you, by a show of hands, would just say, you know what? I have somebody, I don't have to say who it is. You might be sitting next to them, but I have somebody in my life that I need to forgive. Anybody at all in the room just wanna say, yeah? Okay, all over the room. If you didn't raise your hand, you know the first part of the message is for you because you're just stubborn, right? We're just ignoring the problem. And so we're gonna work on that as well. Um, I'm a Denzel Washington fan. So uh, one of the uh, movies I saw on TV recently was called Man on Fire. If you've ever seen it, he's, uh, he's this ex-CIA operative, right? And, and so he's protecting this family. Well, the bad guys kill the parents and so the daughter is left, so he's protecting the daughter, but he, he, like the movie is man on fire, like he is vengeful and he's gonna get revenge against the people that did this tragedy, right? My kind of movie, if you're like me, right? One of the scenes in the movie though struck, struck me, he is talking to this older gentleman, right? Older gentleman, old guys trying to relay some, some wisdom on him, his character in the movie. And the elderly man says, in the church, they say, to forgive. And Washington's response in the movie is, forgiveness is between them and God. It's my job to arrange the meeting. <laughs> Bro, I love it. I love it, right? Some of you have some people in your life, you would love, you wouldn't say it out loud, but you would love to arrange a meeting between them and God, right? Because there's some pain, there's some hurt, there's some frustration there. And while that makes for a great movie, it doesn't make for a very good life. You know, there's a lot of cost associated with unforgiveness and allowing resentment to build up in your life. The cost is that your anger turns into bitterness and resentment. And the cost is that it begins to ruin your relationships and it ruins us spiritually. It causes stress on our body physically and emotionally. And we miss out on the opportunities and the things that God wants to do in our life today. Um, we don't immediately become bitter people, but it's kind of a slow fade. It kind of starts with anger and that anger builds and we replay the event over and over and over in our mind. That desire for revenge builds, the hurt you know, increases and then it might cause us to allow resentment to live in our hearts. But here's the deal, resentment is foolish. If you think about it, when you get really like resentful towards somebody, it makes you say dumb things, it makes you say foolish things, it makes you do foolish things. You know, we say things like, well, I'm gonna show him. And then the next thing, you know, we do is the most idiotic, immature thing that we've ever done in our life. It's irrational. And it's impulsive. And the other thing about resentment is that it just doesn't work. Doesn't work. You can get upset and mad and angry about the people that have hurt you, but it's never gonna change the past. It's never gonna correct the problem that you're dealing with. It's never gonna make your relationships better or restore relationship. It's only gonna make things worse for you and I. Doesn't do anything to the people that actually 
hurt us. And so it doesn't work. It's really foolish. And if you think about it, it's, it's like you're driving down the road and as your, your car is moving forward, you're just looking in the rear view mirror the whole time. You might, imagine how hard it would be to drive your car down the road and, and, and then constantly looking in the rear view mirror, mirror at the past. That's basically what we do when we allow resentment to build up in our life. So what are we to do? Well, if foolishness, or if, if resentment is foolishness, if it doesn't work, then the answer, what Jesus is gonna tell us today is that we've gotta forgive the people that sin against us. And in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus is, is, is outlining for us how to handle a situation in our life where somebody has sinned against us. And he says, if someone sins against you, go to them one-on-one, don't slander them, gossip about them and, and, and all of this. Go to them and, and tell them that what they did was, was a sin against you and then restore and reconcile that relationship. If that doesn't work, if the person doesn't repent, then take a small group and, 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 and have another discussion about the sin that was committed. And if that doesn't work, he says, all right, just remove them from the church. And so Jesus is teaching this to his disciples. And then Peter has a question. And it's a, I love the, the response because you hear a story like that and, and Jesus is like, okay, you, you confront these people because the end goal is to forgive them and then to be able to move on with your life. And Peter's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So, okay, so we wanna forgive ourselves. How many times do I have to do that, Jesus? <laughs> right, because there's a limit that we all want, right? There's a limit that every single one of us would say, okay, I'll forgive people, but if they keep doing it, at what point do I just arrange a meeting between them and God? <laughs> like there's a point, right? Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 18. We're gonna start in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him, right? I love it. As many as seven times? For Peter, that's like, bro, seven times I'm gonna be holy in front of everybody here and I'm just gonna offer up seven because that's the perfect number in the Bible, right? That surely is enough, Jesus, right? I mean, that's what we would all hope that Jesus would say, yeah, seven's good enough. And then, you know, meeting with God, yeah. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. <laughs> so if any mathematicians in here, you wanna get your phone out, uh, how many of you know how, what, what the answer is? What's the number? Anybody? Nobody knows. Okay, we all failed math. 490 times, 70 times 70. So does that mean, is Jesus saying that that's how many times that we have to forgive? And so we all kind of, create, you know, uh, 490 boxes on, uh, you know, a note on our I iPhone. And then, you know, every time we forgive this person, we check the box. <laughs> and as we get closer to 490, we're like, all right, suckers, it's about over. I'm going to be done with this. Of course not. Jesus is actually saying that we are to forgive infinitely. This is his way of, of, of using, you know, this, this idea, this concept that not to take literally, but a concept that we would, we would offer and freely give forgiveness on a continual basis to people that hurt us, right? And then he goes into a parable and a parable is a story that Jesus tells that has a point. And so here's the story that he goes into in verse 23. He says, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle one, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, sold into slavery to be able to pay for what he owed with his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So what we have here in this story, first thing is a debt was owed. You have a servant who is coming to the master and he owes this debt that he is unable to pay, right? And so the debt that he has is said to be 10,000 talents. Now the Greek word here for 10,000 is the word myriad. And it implies an indefinite amount of money. So it, it would be like you and I saying, oh, he owes a gazillion dollars. Like we don't really know, like that's not like, we don't really comprehend how much money that is. The idea in the story that Jesus is trying to give that the original hearers of the story would have understood is that this is a sum of money that was impossible for the, for the servant to pay. It would have been impossible to come up with that amount of money beyond human calculation. But that doesn't stop him in verse 26 from promising to pay it. <laughs> He's like, just have patience with me. I'll be able to pay this. And he falls on his knee and knees and he asks for mercy, right? So a debt was owed. And then here's the second part. A debt was actually forgiven. It says that he took pity on him. He had compassion towards him and he showed him grace. And even though he didn't deserve that forgiveness, the master cancels the debt. Undeserving, uh, this man is, of the grace of this forgiveness, he still offers this astronomical debt to be canceled. This is the concept of what Jesus is, is, is trying to cast to us. Unable, money that we can't even comprehend, but the master cancels the debt even though the man didn't deserve it. Now, he keeps going in verse 28. But when that same servant went out, so he was forgiven, the same servant goes out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now in this um, scene, not, not only do we see this debt canceled, but in this particular part, we see the forgiven man doesn't act forgiven. He doesn't, he doesn't interact with people as a forgiven man. He doesn't take that same grace that was offered to him and offer it to his 
servant or to to his fellow servant that owed him money. Uh, This man owed him a hundred denarii, which would have been a couple of months of salary. So a very doable amount of money to actually pay back. Remember, his was an astronomical amount of money that would have been impossible to pay back. But this man, 100 denarii, would have taken him some time, but very doable, he could have done it. And so everybody listening to Jesus tell this story would have said, of course, this guy should have showed the mercy that was extended to him. But instead of offering him the same grace, scripture says he chokes him. (laughs) I love how humorous the Bible can be. Like you've got to see that humor. Like the dude owed him some money and he chokes him. Because when people owe you money, it feels good and feels right to want to choke them, right? I mean, that just comes, that's just natural. And, and so, yes, kind of funny, but yes, kind of true as, as well for us. And, and, and so, yes, this man's debt was doable and it was possible to pay back, but he doesn't get the same grace. Uh, the, the people who saw this in the story went back to the master, reported what had happened. He brings him in. And he says, you should have showed the same grace and mercy that I showed to you. And so Jesus closes the story with this statement. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. God, who is so generous with his grace to forgive, says, I will not forgive the unforgiving. In other words, those who won't forgive can't expect forgiveness. He says, genuine forgiveness will be done then from the heart. So the question is, how do we forgive from our heart? Now, obviously in the story, the king represents God, the servant who had his debts forgiven is is everyone who's had their sin canceled by God through Christ. The second servant is anyone that we're holding something against. Anybody that has incurred a debt to us, anybody that has hurt us, anybody that has offended you, hurt you, abandoned you, Uh, mistreated you, rejected you, Anyone that has done that owes you something. They were people uh, that you have a legitimate case against. And I know what some of us are thinking. I'm the victim. I'm the one that was hurt. Are you telling me that if I don't forgive the person that hurt me, that then God's not going to forgive me? Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you. Now, sometimes we read the Bible and we scratch our heads. We, we don't know exactly what that statement means. So it could mean that if I am a person who has been saved and, and Christ has forgiven me, but then I'm unwilling to forgive someone, that then I'm going to lose my salvation. Some people might teach it that way. Um, if, if, if God is saying, I'm not going to forgive those who are unforgiving, then if you're ever unforgiving, then you're not a Christian. I don't think that's what it means. I think it's a story. It's a parable. We have to interpret the scripture. You know, there's poetry in scripture. We have to interpret it uh, in in, in like manner. Uh, We have narrative that tells a story. We interpret it differently. We we come to a story like this, a parable. We we interpret it uh, as such. And so I don't think the point of the story is that we lose our salvation if if we're unwilling to forgive. And, And here's why, because Scripture, Jesus elsewhere teaches us exactly what it means to be saved. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses. Now, now 
if you think you have a boring testimony, I, I want you just to remember, you were dead in your trespasses before Christ forgave you. And of the uncircumcision of your flesh. flesh. But then what? God made you alive. How? Together with him, having forgiven us, right? Of all of our trespasses. Now I love that word because it doesn't mean just what I committed when I was a teenager or when I was in college, but it's the sin that I committed today, the sin that I'm gonna commit tonight and the sin that I'm gonna commit next year. Christ forgave all of our trespasses, all of our sin. And he does that how? Very clearly here. He says he cancels something. He cancels the record of what? Our debt. We had a debt that we could not pay to God, right? And what stood against us with legal demands. So legally, we were guilty. We were dead in our sin. Christ makes us alive by forgiving us and he cancels the debt that stands against us. And how does he do that? On the cross, he nailed it to the cross. And so when we think about it in these terms that what Jesus is, is, is teaching us is not that you're gonna lose something that he's given to you. What he's teaching us here is that you have experienced forgiveness. You had an insurmountable debt a gazillion dollars worth of debt called sin that you could not pay to God. It was impossible for you to attend enough church, to give enough money, to live a good enough life. There was no physical, spiritual, emotional possible way for you to pay that debt to God. It was incalculable debt against your soul. You were dead and we deserved hell. But the point of the parable is that forgiven people forgive people. Those who have experienced this grace and mercy, those who have experienced that love and grace from God through Christ who have been forgiven, he says forgiven people are those who forgive people. And so if forgiving people is the way, if this is what we're supposed to do, how do we do it? How can we step into this, this way of living in freedom? People that hurt us, uh, letting go of that anger, letting go of that bitterness. And, 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 and from Jesus says, from your heart, forgive them, right? Well, here, here are a few things that I think we should consider. Number one, we've got to recognize all the debt that you've owed. You've got to remember how you have messed up. You've got to remember your sin. You've got to remember how you've hurt people. You've got to remember that you have an incalculable amount of sin that required the death of Jesus on the cross. You couldn't pay it. And so we have to be reminded. Now, some of you, you're, there's two extremes here when it comes to this statement. Some of you are like, bro, I, I swim in a sea of guilt and shame. I am well aware of what I've done and I can't let it go. And so points number two through four are gonna help you. You're ready to get on to them because you can't forgive yourself, right? But then there's another group of you who perhaps you grew up in the church and you think you're the stuff. You, you think that you're, you, you have a, if you think that you have a boring testimony, beware. 
Because those that grew up in the church that kind of lived, a, 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 you know, what they would say, pretty good life. Yeah, I kind of got into some stuff, but for the most part, I was on the straight and narrow. You're, you're, the, you're the person that Jesus is talking to here because you're the person like the Pharisee in Luke chapter seven, where Jesus is in uh, this um, uh, Pharisee's house to eat. And as they're eating, this woman of the city is what the, the, the scripture says, comes into the room. And when she comes into the room, she opens this flask of oil, very expensive, and she pours it on Jesus's feet. And with her hair, with the tears coming out of her eyes, with this expensive oil, she is cleaning and wiping the feet of Jesus as she weeps. And the Pharisees in the room, one in particular, kind of holds his nose up in the air and kind of like, Psh, you know, one of those, Psh. if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch her like this. This woman is a sinner and he's letting him do this. Well, Jesus knows his thoughts. And, and so, hey, let me, let me just tell you something, bub. I came into your house. You didn't offer me any water to wash my feet. You didn't offer, you know, a kiss. You didn't anoint my head with oil. You gave me nothing. The moment this so-called sinful person walked into the room, she's been on her hands and feet, hands and knees, uh, washing my feet. Right? She hasn't stopped crying. Jesus says, go in peace, your sins are forgiven. And then he, he tells this story that comes into this point. And, and, and the point is that those who have been forgiven much, love much. Those who recognize that they have been forgiven for much, love much. And so if, if, if you think that you're a pretty good person and you think that, hey, kind of you were entitled to this forgiveness because, I mean, my goodness, I lived a pretty good life and I haven't hurt anybody. And then, then you're the one that he speaks to here. He says, you've got to recognize all of your debt because if you don't recognize all of your debt, you're more likely to be like the Pharisee who's out there condemning everybody in the world, condemning your neighbor, condemning your spouse, condemning your kids because they don't do everything perfectly like you do. And so the person who is the self-righteous person, the Pharisee uh, who might be in the room or watching today, you're the one who, you know, is, is, is potentially the one that's harboring the most anger, the most um, passive aggressiveness, right? The most judgment. And so he wants us to be aware. We've got to recognize all of the debt that you owe. And then secondly, we've got to allow compassion to replace anger. Touched on this last week. If you missed last week on anger, I encourage you to go back and watch it, but we've got to allow compassion to replace anger. In the story, Jesus says that the man had pity on the servant. He had pity. In other words, he had compassion on this man. Uh, the Greek word for pity means moved with compassion or empathy. The Oxford Dictionary uh, defines empathy as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. If you are married and you don't have empathy, you're going through the ringer right now. <laughs> if you're dating somebody and you don't have empathy, it's, it's tough. Why? Because if you don't have the ability to understand and share the feelings of the person next to you, then you're not gonna have a healthy relationship. You're just only gonna see things through your perspective and through your eyes. You're not gonna have compassion on what they're experiencing and how they feel. And so if we're unable to do that, we're gonna harbor up bitterness and we're gonna be angry towards people and we're not gonna be willing to forgive them. And if we 
don't, we're going to live miserable lives. If you're not willing to offer forgiveness, your, your marriage is going to suffer. You know that, right? If you're not willing to forgive that boss that hurt you in the past, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to walk in freedom. If you're not going to be able to let your, your ex-wife or ex-husband go in, in the sense that, that you, know, you, you forgive them for what they've done to you, you're going you're gonna to be miserable. You, you and I have to have pity. In other words, we have to be moved with compassion. So here's what you have to do. You've got to decide to see what you have in common with the person that hurt you. What do you have in common with them? And what we have in common with those that hurt us is that we've hurt people too, we're sinful too. We've caused pain as well. And so as a result, we, we see them as someone who is broken. We see them as a, a broken person and we take pity on them and we have compassion towards them and we allow that compassion then to replace the actual anger. And then we can move into number three, which is then we cancel the debt. We cancel the debt. In the story, the master cancels it. He doesn't, he doesn't give him mercy and, and, then, and then have patience with him to pay it back. He doesn't say, okay, this is what he, he asked for patience. He asked to pay it back. And, and, and then the master said, no, 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 no. I'm just going to cancel the debt. You see, that's what we have to do with those that have hurt us. We've got to cancel the debt. Someone hurts you, they owe you something, right? Someone lied to you, they owe you an apology. Someone sexually abused you, you, you they owe you your innocence back. Someone wasn't in your life and they should have been in your life like a parent, they owe you your childhood back. Someone said slanderous things about you, they owe you your reputation back. And they owe you something. Those that hurt us owe us something. You are wronged, you were hurt, you were offended. There was a debt of pain created. And so forgiveness happens when the debt is paid in full. And it has to be paid so that you can overcome that, that, that pain, so that you can release the anger. Our instinct is that we want them to pay for what they've done, right? We think if they pay for it, because they're the ones that did it, so they need to pay for it, then I'll feel better. And then once I see that they've paid enough, then I'll forgive them, but that's just not reality. The truth is when I hurt them back, it feels good in the moment because the debt does get decreased a little bit in my heart, in my mind. It works for a minute, but it never goes away because it continually builds back up. And what's worse is that anger is still there. It's, it's, it's living in my soul and it controls and it robs me of peace today. And it robs me of the future that God has for me. We think sometimes that canceling the debt means that we're letting them off the hook. I can't forgive them because then they're just, you know, off free. They're, 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 they're just going to be off the hook. But forgiveness doesn't mean that what happened to you wasn't wrong. It doesn't let anybody off the hook. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're letting them particularly off the hook. It means that you're finished. You're through. You're done with letting what they did to you continually hurt you today. It means that you're through. And so you 
pay for the debt. Just like the master in the story. You cancel the debt. The king gave up his right to be paid back. And that was the essence then of forgiveness. He was able to say, you're forgiven. I release the debt. You don't owe me anything anymore. And that's essentially what forgiveness is. It's you saying to the person who asked you to forgive them, or if they don't ask you, you're gonna have, you know, forgiveness is a transaction. If they're not asking and you haven't confronted them and you're not dealing with this, right? So we would go back to earlier in, in, in Matthew 18, we would say, have you talked to them one-on-one? Have you taken a small group with you? Because that's instruction as well. If that's not working or, or this person is dead or this person is gone and there's just no way to have a conversation with them. And so what do you do then? Well, there's still a letting them, uh, there, there's still a canceling of that debt that must take place to free your heart, to let it go. If you demand payment, you're the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. If you demand payment, you're the one that pays. You pay physically with the stress on your body. You pay spiritually because you miss the blessing God has for you. Forgiving someone then doesn't let them off the hook. Forgiveness allows you to set aside anger and live for Christ today. And so you've got to cancel the debt. And then number four, we have to create a vision for your future. So this is the part that we don't often think about. We think that, oh, okay, I just got to forgive them and I got to say it. And then I got to just go back to my morning routine, which yes, but we have to think about our future. The reason, part of the reason is yes, God calls us to forgive. But another part of the reason that we're called to forgive is that God has a future for you. He's got a vision for you, your future relationships. How is he going to use that situation in your life to bless other people? You can't help other people go through a similar experience if you stay in this victim mentality, if you're upset and angry, nobody wants your advice. Nobody needs your advice because you haven't won. You haven't allowed God to work through you yet in order to help someone who's going through it today. And so part of that vision is there are people that are out there that you need to help. There are people in this church, there are people sitting in the same row as you that if they knew your story, if they knew how you forgave the person that hurt you, it would inspire them to do the same. But some of you relinquish the blessing of serving your brother and sister in Christ because you wanna stay angry and upset and resentful. You've gotta think about the vision that God has for your life. There are future people that need your help, but then there are also future relationships that God's calling you to. And you're not gonna be ready for future relationships if you're emotionally filled with baggage, spiritually, you know, you're, you're, you're all convoluted because of all the anger that is still rattling around in there and you're lashing out at this new person because of what someone did to you five years ago. Like, whoa, where's all this anger coming from? Well, you're, you're with the pressure cooker <laughs> and they haven't released the steam of a last relationship and that's why they're coming at you. And that's where some of you are at. You've got to see the vision that God wants you to move on. You can't move on until you cancel the debt, right? And then number five, another thing we don't think about is we gotta, we gotta get some prayer warriors around us. If you, wanna, if you wanna truly forgive someone, then you've gotta get some prayer warriors around you. 
They've got to pray that spiritually you're going to be strong, that you're going to be focused and they're going to call you up on the anniversary of that painful event and they're going to love on you and they might, you know, FaceTime you and pray with you on that particular day and then they're going to check up on you monthly or maybe weekly depending on what you're going through. But these are people in your life, maybe people in your small group that are committed to pray for you, that you would have the, 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 the compassion, right? And, 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 and the spirit, that, that, that would offer this cancellation of the debt. You create the vision, you secure some prayer warriors. Forgiveness is really about doing what Jesus did for you. He paid the debt, he canceled the debt. He showed you grace, he showed you mercy. Shouldn't you and I carry that same grace and mercy and offer it to those who hurt us? So. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Are we going to do it today? Will you be so bold as to say today, I forgive, and then fill in the blank, whoever it is. I forgive my ex. I forgive that teacher. I forgive that friend. I forgive that boss. Whoever it is, I forgive my child, whoever it is, whatever happened. The three hardest words in the English language are I forgive you and you say this. Lewis Smead, the theologian and professor once said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Love that quote. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, Paul reminds us that the enemy is not the person that hurt you, the real enemy. He says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, people, but it's against the rulers, the authorities, the world powers of this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. See, the people that hurt us aren't the real enemy. The enemy is using people to hurt you. And so Satan is the real enemy. And so you say, I wanna forgive, but I just don't feel it. I I've said it before. And Listen, forgiveness is, is a decision, it's not a feeling. A lot of people say this, I, I thought I forgave them, but, but then I saw them or, you know, I heard the song and it reminded me and my head started to get filled with all of those thoughts of rage and anger and frustration. So I guess I didn't uh, actually forgive them. And I would say, no, 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 no. No, you, you can forgive, it's a decision, it's not a feeling. You're still gonna feel. You're gonna feel those emotions. But as you cancel and pay down that debt, the feeling will decrease. There'll be a day when you do see them if you practice these steps. There'll be a day that the anniversary comes around. There'll be a day that, that you see them in public or you'll see them on social media. And instead of the frustration and the anger and the I wanna you know, have this meet, I wanna set up the meeting between God and this person. You've said, I forgive them, I've canceled their debt so many times and so often that now the feeling matches the decision. It takes time. Every time you think about a way to take revenge, you, you are building up the anger. And so when the scripture says we, we are to take our thoughts captive, we start to go down the, 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 the revenge or the anger and, and the frustration and our heart begins to race. And we have to take that captive and say, no, 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 no. I forgive them. I canceled the debt. I canceled the debt. They don't owe me. And you say it out loud and you pray it 
and you text your prayer warrior and you say, hey, I'm struggling with it today. Would you just say a quick prayer for me and they'll pray for you. And you keep, you keep walking the path of forgiveness. You keep walking the path. It's painful to do this. It hurts. Your heart's gonna resist it because our sin nature doesn't want us to do that. We refuse to gossip. We refuse to slander. We gotta take it captive. Why? Because our future is at stake. The blessing that God wants to give to you is at stake. Your future relationships are at stake. If you have kids, you're passing on this vengeful, resentful, passive aggressive, sinful behavior to them. You can't allow that to happen. You don't wanna put them in bondage. They didn't go through that, you did. Don't put them in the same prison that you live in. So you've gotta say, okay, I cancel the debt. Early one morning in Dakula, Georgia, a man by the name of Matt Swatzel was driving home from a 24 hour shift. He was a firefighter. And uh, he had 30 minutes of sleep. So he's driving home. He's less than four miles from his house on October 2nd, 2006. He was suddenly awoken by what he calls the most God-awful sound I've ever heard. Matt was 20 years old. And he woke up to realize that he had run into another car, created an accident. And he realized that he had hit a woman who had a 19 month old daughter named Faith. And this woman whose name was June Fitzgerald was 30 years old, she was also pregnant. Faith survived, but June was killed as well as her unborn child. June's husband, Eric, was a full-time pastor. And so immediately the grief, the anger, the bitterness, the frustration, all of those emotions he began to deal with for several months, obviously. But during this grieving period, he was reminded of what Jesus teaches us. You forgive as you've been forgiven. That's what continually came to his mind. The day before the two year anniversary of the accident, Matt was in a parking lot and he had, he, he had decided that he was, gonna, he was gonna write him a card just saying that he was sorry and and, and, and just try to offer that to this man who had lost so much. And, and as he was about to leave, he was about to start his car, he, he actually saw Eric walking into the same grocery store. And so he approached him and they met for the first time. And what was happening in Eric's heart was forgiveness. And in that moment, he actually told him, listen, I, I think God wants me to be in your life. And after that initial meeting, they started to meet every week. They went to church together. They ate breakfast together. They began a relationship. And Eric said, I forgave him. I let it go. Yes, painful, so many questions. But in his mind, he had to do the only thing that he knew to do, which was cancel the debt. At Matt's sentencing, two years after the event. It was a felony, so he was looking at a lot of time, but Eric spoke on his behalf and asked that the sentence be minimal. He said, and I quote, I didn't see why this accident and tragedy needed to ruin any more lives. Matt, the guy that fell asleep and, 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 and hid, he, he struggled with anxiety and, and, and guilt consistently because of what had happened. Right? How do you move forward when, when you're a part of something 
like that. And in, in, in his words, he said, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have Eric in my life helping me deal with this and telling me that he forgave me. The story of grace out of tragedy, a debt is canceled. Mercy and compassion is offered. And in the same way as Jesus has forgiven you and I, as Jesus has offered us this amazing gift called grace, we are to offer that to those that hurt us. And so will we do it? Will we, will we walk out of here and will we do it? I'll do one better. Will you do it right now? Will you start the process right now? I forgive. You just fill in the blank. Let me ask you to bow your heads. I know in the room there are racing hearts, heavy hearts, people that know there's someone they need to release. And I'll just say that you probably don't feel like it. But again, forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's a decision. So I wonder if you will decide to be faithful today. Will you right now, right here, tell God that you forgive so-and-so? Would you fill in the blank? Would you just tell him right now? Just tell him right now. Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's a life-altering, huge moment in your life. Would you say it? Would you tell him? Tell him right now, all over the room. God, I forgive them. I forgive them. I pay the debt. Tell him, you, you've forgiven me. Now I want to offer that to them. Tell them. Show hands. How many of you would say, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Anybody? I'm working on it. I'm working on it right now. All over. All over. Praise God. Father, help us. We need your grace. We see it. We see it outlined in your, in your word. We got to walk out of here and we got to do it. Help us, God, to cancel the debt. Release it. Show the same grace and mercy that you showed us, that we might honor you, that you would release this bitterness and anger that is within us. We could walk in newness of life, truly in newness of life, offering the forgiveness, releasing the debt, restoring relationships, all for the glory of God and our good. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship today. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.